0: deep breathing
1: i wouldn't even don't worry about composing let's just have a laugh <laughs> i think oh i think we've just set the tone for how this is gonna go
0: hello and welcome to the internal miscommunications podcast keith i heard you i'm trying not to
1: i'm trying not to laugh keep going keep going no one noticed
0: Hello and welcome to the internal miscommunications podcast, a show all about messing up and moving on where we share stories about getting it all wrong so we can all get it right. I am your co-host Erica Goodwin and joining me as always is the one and only Keith Riley. Keith say hello. Hello. We (laughs) are overjoyed.
1: I'm sorry. We've had such fun getting oh, this thing fun. started. So my hello was very reflective of the last five minutes that we've all just had. But I'm sorry. Uh, who, who have we got joining us on the show today, Erica? Keith, we
0: have the very esteemed Jenny Field. Note for the audio, <laughs> he was waving the camera. <laughs> <laughs> this is on par for us. Keith, I'm so excited. Jenny Field is joining us today. Do you know Jenny?
1: That was the best. Can I just say that was the best British accent then? Do you know Jenny? Hello.
0: (laughs) I've been listening to Jenny's podcast with Chuck Ghost for three hours. Well, not this morning, but yesterday in preparation for this talk. Okay. So for those who may not know Jenny... Um, she's also prolific in internal comms, but she's the director of Redefining Communications. And are you ready for this? President of the Chartered Institute for Public Relations. I'm feeling a little nervous about these titles, Keith.
1: Yeah, we need a fanfare right there, don't we? I'll edit that in.
0: Jenny, welcome. We are delighted that you have taken this time. <laughs> thank you for having me it's lovely to be here what an introduction (laughs) what an introduction (laughs)
1: okay you've just had a very rare insight into the, the crazy mind that erica and i have have spent the last kind of three months embracing uh so yeah I'm, I'm in the. I'm in the. I'm in the
2: right place for my own headspace. This is good. I feel like I've just walked into
0: talking to some old friends that I've known for a long time. So it feels very comfortable.
1: <laughs> good
0: stuff. <laughs> we really just needed like a Manhattan or something on the side. Yes, right? <laughs> yes, that
2: would be delightful.
0: Okay, well, I don't know that we really need an icebreaker right now, but Keith, why don't you uh, get started?
1: <laughs> uh, I would be delighted. So, Jenny, we have. Um, decided that we will do um a spelling test with all of our guests oh, cool. and i have been through um an internet site finding the most difficult words that people say um they can't spell uh, so i'm going to ask you just three and then maybe we'll see if there's any words that always trip you up um, okay so uh word number one is onomatopoeia
2: Oh, this is just silly. I thought you were going to go with like a receive with the I before E, but onomatopoeia. God, I think there is start. Is there like a silent P or something in it? Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <a> silent pterodactyl.
2: <laughs> oh, I have no idea. It's not a word I ever use. O-N-A M A T O P-I-A That's not even remotely right, is it? <laughs>
1: really close um, but the only reason I know that is because I had to write it down real big um, when, we, when, we, when we did this with um, Rachel I was like oh yeah that's correct and then listened back and realised it was, wasn't correct and it was only correct because I wasn't wearing my glasses so um, yeah, but, but I'm on, glad you're wearing on, them today onomatopoeia is O-N-O M-A-T O-P-E-I-A there's oh. a funny E in it uh, uh, so no points there. Um, uh, word number two is phenomenal.
2: P-H-E-N-O-M-A-L. Oh, no, I've missed out a bit in the middle. P- <laughs> I use this word all the time. P-H-E-N. P-H-E-N. O-M-A-N-E-L. So uh, oh, that wasn't no. right, was it?
1: So again, P H uh, E N O M A E N A L. Oh, it's the A- vowels. A-N-A-L. The
2: vowels get you every time.
1: The vowels. I think we should. I don't think we necessarily need them. But uh, <laughs> so, still no points. Uh, final word for redemption: anonymous.
2: A N N O N Y M O U S.
1: that's wrong <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it's Is a a n o n i did say o n i did
2: a double n that's why i got it wrong yes. yes oh i was so very b- confident i'd got that right
1: maybe you can have extra points for the double n i think possa? so i think so so two two points out of three.
2: <laughs> And what we've learned today is that the president of the Charles Institute of Public Relations can't spell.
1: <laughs> you are in good company here, you, yes. as any of my colleagues will attest. Um, any Are there any words that really get you? Are there anything that's uh, like your nemesis?
2: Um, there's probably a few, actually. i spend spent the, the I and me, I'm using that in a sentence. I always have a little phrase that I use to try and remember that so I don't get tripped up there. But... Um, Accept and accept stationary. I can never get that right, and my friend Dana always corrects me because I end up writing the word for a, a non-moving vehicle rather than the new <laughs> notepad that I bought.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here going, "Are they even different? What have I done my whole life?" Stationary. I'm going to Google that. You carry on. Um, oh, that's that's awful, Erica. You were t- so you and I spoke about anonymous. Were there any others that get you?
0: Those are the main two, Phenomenal and Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I oh, use gosh. them frequently. So mm. I, should, I feel like I should know how to spell them and, and still don't.
1: I can't. I think I said this last time. I can't do Guarantee ever.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. Um,
1: and I think, I think if you take a dictionary and open it at the first page and just presume that anything from there on in is going to yeah. scupper me that's
2: ne- necessary is another one i often get that one Ugh. so do you find that sometimes that you just then rewrite the whole sentence so you just don't use the yeah. word oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> i have written entire paragraphs to avoid words like guarantee <laughs> uh, assurance things like that yeah. no nice. so that's our yeah. first So so there, there we go so officially no no points but um we'll give you two points for those um surplus ends Um, thank you i'll uh, take the win and as it's got all a little bit out of hand we should probably take a very very quick break and uh we'll hear a little bit more from you jenny in just a moment (laughs) welcome
0: back once again we are with jenny field who is uh director of redefining communications so jenny I have been reading up a bit on your consultancy and I know that you take organisations from chaos to calm. So the word chaos suggests there may have been some miscommunication in the mix. Is that right? (laughs) Uh, Yes. I believe that most issues inside organisations comes from
2: a lack of good communication or a lack of understanding around the impact communication can have. So chaos doesn't necessarily mean everyone's running around and you know the world's on fire. It can be anything from um, people going off on stress and um, you could have uh, line manager challenges, teams not working well together. There's lots of different things that for me would kind of be cast as that chaos feeling. And so much of that comes back to communication. And I think if we can educate people that don't work in communications
0: about the power of communication, then businesses could be a very different place. Absolutely. And lately, it does seem like the world is on fire. But- yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> as, talk, it's it's a- as I said, it, I thought, oh, this is not the time for that analogy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but really, it is. Um, it all boils down to mm. miscommunication. Okay, we are going to put you in the hot seat, as we will with all of our guests. And tell. we want you to tell us about your favorite, quote unquote, miscommunications from your, your uh, internal comms history.
2: So I've got I've got a few. <laughs> um, the, the the first one isn't so much necessarily a miscommunication, but I remember doing my first ever internet project when I was in my first internal cons role, and I just chose totally the wrong platform. And I remember vividly sitting in a room doing some training on how to code, thinking I've made a terrible mistake <laughs> um, in choosing this provider, and and stuck with it. And it did change stuff, but I think. When you've done your first tech project, you learn so much on that journey that you then kind of leave behind this horrible system and never do something similar again. So I think most communicators will probably be able to relate to some kind of digital story where things haven't gone so well. Mm-hmm. The, the other one for me is, is a really important lesson and one that has stayed with me. And it, it was from my most recent in-house roles. This is only about four years ago. Um, And we were doing a kind of roadshow, going out and talking to frontline workers around the strategy of the organisation. And it was a matrix organisation. It was very complicated in terms of um, a merger and acquisition. But the acquired business became the board and then there were factories and then there were head offices. Honestly, it was very complicated. So we were trying to pull the messaging together to talk about the strategy, which to me made... Complete sense. We had kind of five pillars. It was around building partnerships. It was around uh, customer care. I think there was some really, you know, I thought quite clear messaging. So the MD went out and delivered all these messages, and I was at all the roadshows. And the feedback afterwards was really not very good at all. Where a lot of the frontline workers were saying, "We just we he was basically talking gobbledygook to us the whole time," and I'd completely misjudged the need to really, really understand your audience. And there's an assumption, I think, that this all makes sense and this is fine. But on hindsight, testing that with some frontline workers and doing something mm. differently would have made a huge difference. But it has stayed with me as a real lesson. And that's something that has carried forward in a lot of work I've done even now where you might do a survey. The language might not quite sit right with the people you're talking to. So that's been probably my biggest miscommunication that continues to stay with me, haunts me almost um,
0: <laughs> as I yeah. go forward. Okay, so I want to pause here and just ask how did you begin to recover from that and what was the end result? So um, I left the job. <laughs> um,
2: but uh, there's more of a story in there. Sorry, Keith. I just
1: spilled coffee, i sorry. <laughs> that was a bit funnier. I really wasn't you expecting, expecting for you to go, oh, yeah, yeah, just quit.
2: <laughs> no, so, um, so actually, it it's there was a lot of other challenges in that role um coming back from that I did a lot of work to then I did then start testing messaging I did start looking at how we changed our channel mix I mean I was starting from scratch most of my jobs have been setting up a comms function Mm -hmm. so I've done that about four times so when you're doing that you're always going to fail fast Mm -hmm. um and then you learn quite quickly so moving things like the newsletter Uh, was on a we built like a wordpress site that people could then get a a weekly update from that became a pdf newsletter because it was more accessible to people we had to we you know we changed the writing style of it so we did a lot of stuff differently on the back of that Um, but also it forced the organization to really look at the structure and the way it was was working with that md looking after some of the factories actually the strategy wasn't quite right for them so the impact was much bigger in terms of actually what are the messages for these people what's the organizational structure and how does this organization operate and work together and what's the leadership team look like for what is an organization that's kind of split between a strategic element and an operational element and and does that need to be more Mm -hmm. separate so it had for me it had quite a big impact because it forced us to look at things that were way bigger than just not getting the messaging right which i think is important
1: can i ask you said um You've set up quite a few comms functions um, and failing you said failing fast is really important. Um, how do you prepare stakeholders for almost knowing that there's going to be some mistakes made? Like when you are establishing a, a, a team and a function from scratch, you almost in your heart know that some things aren't going to land well. How do you prepare the guys that expect the perfection to accept that and, and get you back?
2: It's a, it's a really good question. And I think a lot of it comes down to building relationships at a senior level quite quickly and also ensuring they understand the change process because no matter what you're doing you're changing how an organization operates and you're changing mm-hmm. how things work so some people are going to hate it some people are going to love it some people are going to have definitely have an opinion about it um, it all feels very unknown so I think as long as you're having those conversations of this is what we're this is what we're going to do this is the impact that that is going to have and this is the end goal but this is the journey we're kind of going to go on I don't think I've always got that right but certainly over the last three four years where I've read more around neuroscience of change human behavior those kind of things I'm more prepared for those conversations now than I probably was 10 years
0: ago.
1: Yeah that's really good really good. So hopefully you can share
0: some of those books that you've uh, been reading about the neuroscience of change to help us all understand that.
2: Yeah there's my favorite one is Hilary Scarlett's Neuroscience for Organizational Change. Um, It's a book that I've read she's got a second edition out. i've heard hillary speak um she's done some great work and it's a really good understanding for a communicator of how the brain works and the needs for understanding threat and reward and all of those things so that's been excellent um and there's you know there's other great books i read focus um and then author now escapes me uh busy by tony crab i talk about that a lot in terms of being able to manage your time so there's lots out there to help you understand people and i think As a communicator, that's a a massive part for us to really understand how people work, to ensure that you can understand how people respond to change. But also, if things are not going well, either because of the relationships breaking down or because, you know, something's gone wrong, you can kind of understand why people are responding the way they are and then salvage that relationship. And that's really important.
0: Mm -hmm. Great. We may need to do an entire podcast episode on just building those relationships with leaders Mm -hmm. and what that looks like and how that works. Mm. Um, But until then, so Jenny, (laughs) you're you're invited back. (laughs) So you said Jenny, that you had a few examples and those have been two. Do you have a final one that you uh, want to share? Um, I think that I was thinking about this in preparation for this
2: conversation because there's some that I think people would say, that was you know, a miscommunication or a misfire or, or a bit of failure. Whereas for me, it, it wasn't and it actually allowed for a greater opportunity and actually I didn't see it as a failure. So I think there is something in how you frame that experience mm-hmm. to enable you to move forward. So I often tell stories about working with a CEO. One of the stories that I tell is when I had written some copy for our magazine and she hadn't been able to sign it off. So I'd got someone else to sign it off. And I'd been very clear on my deadlines. And so I got my boss to sign it off, who was um, also on the board with her. And he he was happy with it. And she then came back with some comments after it had essentially gone to print. And I said, it's, you're too late. It's gone to print, <laughs> which is a bold move. <laughs> I appreciate with a CEO, but it was the start of a relationship. And I wanted to be clear <laughs> that I was in charge of the channels because the minute for me, the minute you let that go, you've lost everything about your, your function and having set up a few, that's the one thing I've learned the most. That the minute you give too much, you're then spending your whole time mm-hmm. trying to run around for other people. So she didn't really enjoy that moment where I said, you know, let me see if I can get it back from the printers, which was kind of a lie. I hadn't gone to the printers, but I was making my point. <laughs> that, um, that this is what, and she made a couple of tweaks and, um, and her PA was actually most distraught in the whole process. But we made a couple of tweaks, and it was all fine. But to some people, they might think, "Oh, well, you know, maybe you ruined the relationship, or that was a mistake to have gone that far." But for me, it, it set our path on a more adult-to-adult relationship, mm-hmm. and and it set the the tone for what that was going to be moving forward. So I think you can frame things. You can do things deliberately to make things worse, to then get better. So I think it just depends mm-hmm. on how you want to approach things and where you're comfortable. But I think it's how you frame something it might be a failure and it might feel awful at the time but how do you then you know use that and turn it around
1: i 100% would have run around like yeah you can make any amends Shh, get on the printers like, like i'd have been so weak in that moment i'd be like yes i'll do that no problem thank you for your amends <laughs> humbly gracious
2: I mean you pick your battles so I didn't do it all the time and I think that was something I also learned that you don't have to go into battle all the time and I remember someone saying to me once you know is it a hill you want to die on and that has stayed with me forever with every conversation I'm having everything that I think oh this doesn't feel right or I want to do this differently you have to pick the right ones and um there have been times where I have been running around and going yeah it's absolutely fine I'll do it I'll do whatever you need me to do (laughs) but uh, I think when you've got a very strong character in leadership,
0: being as strong back Mm. actually can be quite helpful. So to go along with kind of your brand, Jenny, I thought about the words reframing and how we are in this podcast, trying to reframe miscommunications as kind of opportunities or, and really normalize it. You know, miscommunications is something that happens to all of us. And how do we, how do we kind of pick up the pieces? So what advice would you give us and our listeners Um, on recovering, recovering uh, from those mess ups? Uh,
2: I think you have to own your mistakes. And that's much easier said than done. So it's really uncomfortable to say, you know, I've messed up. Um, I shouldn't have done that or, or, you know, I shouldn't have said that. But I think there's also a difference between, you know, sometimes mistakes just happen in a way. I remember putting uh, a kind of advert in our internal magazine for our new digital portal site that was going to be live in the next month. And six months later, it still wasn't live, and it was horrible to have this magazine that had this really nice, you know, feature in it about what we were doing, and it still wasn't going live. Now that's not great, <laughs> and we can be perfectionists, but but that's not a deliberate mistake. There's nothing malicious that we're doing to to deliberately fail. And I think sometimes you just have to accept that, you know, have the conversation and then move on from it. If you're going to hold on to it, that becomes quite toxic for you. And I think that's something that you have to try and work through to let go. So I think that's that's probably the main piece of advice is don't hold on to it, you know, deal with it, have the conversation, move on. You'll make it worse in your own mind by telling yourself a story that, I don't know, you're going to get sacked because you've done this, or you've made a call that wasn't the right call, or you've put something out there that was wrong. You know, actually just having the conversation and dealing with it and being accountable for that is actually way better than just it being in your own head and, and thinking the worst is going to happen.
0: So, does this wisdom come from just your um, your history and experience in comms, or have you read books, or are you influenced by anyone in particular?
2: Um, so, I read I read a lot of books. Um, I'm very influenced by Brené Brown. I'm a, a big fan of her work, um, and you know I, listen, I was listening to her podcast the other day and there's an, uh, a two-part episode where she talks about how to apologize and they're long they're kind of you know an hour and 15 minutes each but they have been outstanding i've, I've shared them with family members with uh, and i've used the techniques that are in there so i think it's it's finding those people or, or those resources around you to help you because it's all about those relationships and being accountable and that's that's not always easy to stand up and say, you know, I've made that decision and I stand by that decision and it may have been the wrong thing to do. But at the time, it was the right thing to do. Not everyone's comfortable doing that. And I think once you've got comfortable with kind of who you are, your values, what you're standing for, that becomes a much easier conversation. And that has taken, you know, years of growth <laughs> on my part. Mm-hmm. I think if you spoke to someone that I worked with, you know, 10, 11 years ago, they'd they'd be saying very different things about my ability to calmly accept criticism um, and to be accountable so that just that is time it's time experience knowing that nothing nothing really bad is going to happen and making sure that you're also surrounding yourself with people that you can bounce those ideas off so if you do something and you think oh I don't think this is the right thing to do then have people around you where you can then have that conversation and just check because if it fits with your value set, if it's the right thing to do for the organization, ethically, whatever it might be, then just make sure you've got those people to bounce that off.
0: Oh, it's so good. I in your no. previous <laughs> um, in your previous answer, I was actually thinking about Brene Brown because it's it's all about the narrative you tell yourself. It's the story yeah. I'm telling myself, which is what Brene says, and yeah. that is where I so often have been trapped. And that, I think we all do that. It's very common.
1: <laughs> I was uh, one, one of the things that stand, stood out for me while you were talking about that is um, <clears throat> it's something that happened to me last year that I'd done a piece of work for somebody that I, I thought was really good. They felt I'd missed the mark. So they were wonderfully kind and came back and said, Listen, I don't think you've got this quite right. Let's work on it again. And so I sat there intent in a new role, like, listened to every word, um, rewrote the whole piece, still missed the mark um and we were getting close to the deadline so they just basically took it to my boss and said it's not go- not quite getting it need you to sort this out that person jumped all over it um we stuck it on the internet which is where we said it was going to go we publicized it uh and it was all really great and that all came to fruition on a friday afternoon and 20 minutes after it went live on the internet my boss who picked up the work then put a one-to-one monday morning. In, Um, and so the whole weekend I was thinking new role I've ruined everything I'm gonna have a one-to-one on Monday and I'm just gonna clear my desk I'm still in my probation period you know everything is just gonna go wrong and on Monday um, we went out for lunch and she asked me how I felt things were going and I remember going home still feeling really lost that I, you know, I've not had the telling off yet that I I was expecting to come.
2: It's always, we always make it much worse because we're programmed to make it much worse because we're programmed mm. to worry about the threat. So it's always <laughs> going to be the worst possible solution it could ever possibly be. Whereas in reality, like you said, I just, you know, popped one to one in because it was time mm. to have one. It was not linked to anything. Yeah.
1: Erica and I always have said uh, over the last few months is that our default is destruction. And we've almost got to break that down to, yeah. to build up a, a strength that I don't have yet. <laughs> At 37, I throw my toys out of the
0: <laughs> So as we work on that and building resilience, because once again, like courage and resilience are things that Renee says um, are a muscle that you can flex and build over time. So Jenny, you had some really great advice for us. Are there ways we can think differently and approach our work differently to try to prevent miscommunications?
2: Definitely. Uh, Listening is such a huge part of of our job. And I think something that we can be quite quick to listen to provide a solution and listen to be seen as the expert or listen to be um, the person that's got all of the advice. Whereas one of the things that I have been practicing for probably about the last four years is really listening. So really listening to the words people use, the tone they're using, listening to all of those different elements to that conversation so that you can really understand what it is that they're they're asking you for help with as if you're the you know comms function they're coming to you with a brief you know what is it they're really trying to do and being curious to to ask those questions and find out what's going on and I think the more we can do that the better service we can provide to the people around us um so that that I think is is one of the, the biggest ways to do that and that does take practice like that's that's power of silence I talk about that quite a lot and it's uh it's a big one so if you can sit silently while someone is talking um then that's a really good way to to really practice I used to sit with my hand across my mouth in meetings because I was always so quick to come back with something because I you know my my brain works quite quickly so I'm not a huge reflector I'm often quite quick to jump in so I had to Put something physical in the way of doing that. So I would sit in board meetings literally with my hand across my mouth as my own mechanism
0: of shush. Wow, that's brilliant. And so
1: I'm waiting for Erica incredible. to point out that I'm chewing a pen right here to stop me doing exactly the same thing.
0: Whatever works, whatever works. Okay, so we've talked a lot about testing our messaging, listening, being curious, asking questions, sitting in silence. That is so hard. It's really hard. And when I
2: I became accredited as a facilitator this year, and one of the exercises uh, during that course was for you to sit opposite somebody and they talk for, I think it's five minutes, about like a holiday they've been on and you're not allowed to say anything back and you just let them talk. And it's, it's Keith is shaking his head, sorry. It's, it's, and it's a really interesting experience because you're... You want to respond by encouraging them to keep talking. So you do use quite a lot of, um, I use quite a lot of animated facial expressions, you know, and I've been doing that since I learned British Sign Language last year anyway. So it's, tr- it's trying to find ways to be connected, but listening and encouraging. And that's um, that's a challenge. So if you get the opportunity to do that in a role play sort of environment, then I'd encourage everyone to give it a go because it's, it's really worth
0: it. That's fascinating, and yes, I think Heath is about to explode with like, comments
1: and excitement. I, I have such a problem though, because I get, I get really excited when people are talking, and when it's in, in this kind of situation, when it's it's stuff that you're excited about naturally, and the fact that I, without a doubt, have ADHD, it, it, I just I can't help myself. Like one of, one of my jobs is to do videoing with people, and so you do an interview, and then. So we, we have a, a, a sector at work, which is all around the energy sector. And some of the things that are coming out in, in the industry, just in around power management and renewable energy is fascinating. And so I sit there with a the camera, talk to people and then go, no, shut up. Like they need to tell us what, stop getting excited. So I, I sit on my hands and, you know, I chew a pen and like try and hide my face. So because otherwise I'm in that conversation and I know nothing about that stuff so yeah but that's being curious
2: year. you know and we're naturally very curious and I think I naturally talk very quickly so when I get excited my natural pace if I was talking to you and I was really excited and animated I'd be probably talking about this pace which is really quick <laughs> so I have to <laughs> naturally not naturally I have to proactively slow that down um and even I was on a on a call with a client the other day and one of my um associates was on it we were presenting back some results and he texted me at one point and said talk slow <laughs> <laughs> because I was clearly getting too excited about uh about the results and what it meant and what we could do and um
0: and so I think we've all got a bit of that you know excitement and, and passion in the different things that we're doing man Jenny I love your energy and passion I want more I want more of this <laughs> well thank you so much Jenny for answering our questions and being in the hot seat uh you have been such a trooper in <laughs> dealing with all of our mishaps uh in this recording of for this episode but this has been a delight and we have learned so much thank you thank you for having me it's been lovely
1: and we've had a a, a great laugh um but why don't you tell everybody listening how we can engage with you um and what's happening in your world at the moment
2: Um, so thank you for having me again. It's been lovely. So I'm on Twitter as Mrs. Jenny Field. I'm on Instagram as Jenny Field and I'm on LinkedIn as well. So there's lots of different ways uh, people want to get in touch. Um, and I'm quite active on all of those. I'm a, a firm believer in being part of the community. so we'd love to hear from people if they want to get in touch.
1: Tell us what is happening in the world of redefining communications and what you are excited about.
2: Um so gosh, there's lots going on at the moment, doing quite a lot of work talking about productivity and balance and well-being and stuff, which I love talking about, which is really good. And we're just in the process of launching a new product at the moment, which is a diagnostic tool designed to help organizations refocus. So uh, we're just going into testing on that. So that is proving quite exciting and something to look forward to for the rest of the year.
1: sounds very good.
0: That is very exciting. Ginny, I do hope that you have all join us again. This has been such a delight.
1: It's been lovely. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you very much. We will, uh, of course, everybody, we want to hear from you. Send in your letter. We've had some, uh, Wonderful little uh, anecdotes from folks sharing their own miscommunications. So, of course, keep them coming. You can find us at uh, internal miscommunications on Instagram. And you can find us at IC Miscoms on Twitter. I almost said Yammer, but that's <laughs> not right, although it is right, kind of. Um, and, of course, email us at internal miscommunications at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you all. Uh but for now let's say goodbye to the world. Erica, say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye,
0: everyone. So long and farewell.
1: Shall we try your English accent again?
0: English accent? Oh, it was inspired by listening to Jenny. So <laughs> but no, I can't do it on command.
1: Stop it. Okay. <laughs> Jenny, say goodbye to everybody for us.
2: Goodbye, everybody. Stay safe. Stay well.
1: Can you do it in American?
2: No, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That- See everybody uh, in the future. Bye.